Welcome to RSS, the Revolutionary Sports Front, your dirty, nasty, and controversial sports talk podcast for all things Detroit sports and sports worldwide. Here are your hosts, Tony, Joey, Frank, and Gerard, four lifelong friends born and raised in South Detroit. Welcome to RSF episode two! What the hell is going on, people? We're, uh, we're missing Frankie today, but we got a new guy. He's not really a new guy. He was introduced last time, but he's on for his first show. Gerard Preston. How's it going, world? What's going also on, known as my little brother. Ready to talk some sports? Show, Bang some chicks, hopefully. Let's get this going. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we go from Frank, who's very direct, to Jerry, who's, uh, who's uncut pretty much 100% of the time. Um, you never know what you're going to get with the wild card, so we're, we're going to move right into it. Um, I, I have a topic I want to cover. It's based off of uh, some, some events from previously this week, uh, you know, involving Chauncey Billups. So Chauncey Billups uh, had his number retired with the, uh, the Detroit Pistons earlier this week, retiring number one. Um, great player for the Pistons, uh, part of those teams, you know. In, I mean, retiring a guy's number... You know, it gives you the idea that for, for a long period of time, uh, we're talking close to 20 years, that he was the face of that franchise. Phillips only spending six years with the Pistons uh, kind of makes you think, you know, if they're retiring his number, you know, what, uh, you know, all the great Red Wings teams and all that out there, uh, there's only so many numbers up in those rafters. Uh, you know, you think of a lot of great players that came through who are not up there. Um, you know, McCarty, um, you know, a guy who kind of, you know, Tugs on the heartstrings of Detroit there, and then you uh, you think of another guy who spent quite a you know quite a bit of time with the Red Wings, but uh, you know didn't didn't necessarily get his number up there. He left town, but he put up a tremendous amount of points, and that's Sergey Fedorov. So I, I want to hear your thoughts on that, boys. I mean, with Fedorov, it's one of those things where he's going in the Hall of Fame if he's not already there. I'm pretty sure he's already in the Hall, isn't he? Uh, I'm not sure yet. Probably look that up. Yeah. Well, my first of all, Chauncey Bill's number should not be in any rafters anywhere. All right? He won one championship. No fucking individual awards. Nothing like that. Big Ben is the only player on that fucking team that Wasn't should... he in the finals MVP of the year? I don't give won? a shit about a finals MVP, all right? I'll tell you one thing. Ben Wallace was a four-time defensive player of the year. Heart and soul of our franchise. Heart and soul of a championship. He should be retired. Nobody else on that team. Because if you retire Chauncey, now they're retired Rip. Tayshon's got to go up there. And we're going to have Mr. Baldspot himself, Rashid, up there. Now, Sergey, he's a different breed. All right, he was the greatest when he did it. As for that, his jersey has to be retired. Or fucking number has to be retired, right? I mean, with the Wings, it's kind of bad. Guys who go on the Hall of Fame get their numbers retired in Detroit for the Wings. That's why you have Lidstrom. How? Iserman, Sid Abel, all these guys are up there because of that. Sergey made the Hall of Fame in 2015. Thanks for that, Jerry. So, Sergey Fedorov's in the Hall. All these other guys are in the Hall. Part of the reason I think his number isn't retired yet is because of the way that he left Detroit was because basically he wanted out of Detroit, so Detroit made it happen. And people kind of turned on him. But also at the same time, he won three cups in Detroit. Three. He, yeah, he got 97, 98. He was on the O2 team? Yep, he was on the O2 team. You win three championships, your jersey gets retired. I don't care if you're on the bench. <laughs> Put it up there. So, 
That's my biggest argument, too. So I'm going to throw some numbers in there. I, I kind of wrote down some stats just generally. Um, so I already mentioned Billups playing six years. Uh, we mentioned the championship, and he was also the playoff MVP, which, in, in, in my opinion, um, being the, the MVP of the playoffs there was really his only strong bid to get his number up in the Raptors. Now, now listen to this. Listen to Fedorov here. 13 years with the Red Wings, three Stanley Cup wins, four Western Conference championships, five All-Star games. In 1994, he won the Hart Trophy for the NHL MVP, won the Lester B. Pearson Award the same year. He has two Selkie trophies for the best defensive forward in the league. And he was the 1994 NHL Player of the Year by Sporting News. Made the NHL All-Rookie Team. He won three President's Trophies with the Red Wings. The first Russian-born player to 1,000 points. And the second most goals by a Russian with 483, which was surpassed by uh, by uh, Alex the Great this year. So if those numbers... Uh, you know, and the, the specifics about those numbers right there that I gave you, uh, minus the goals and the, you know, the, the first Russian-born player uh, bit there, every other piece of stat that I just mentioned was with the Detroit Red Wings in 13 years. So um, I think I think he played a total of about, uh, about 19. I know he played a few with the Ducks, uh, one or two with Columbus, and then a, a couple with Washington there over, over with Ovechkin. So, um my, my biggest thing is he, he definitely needs to go in the Raptors. I, I know we all agree on this, and it's kind of one of those topics where, uh, where, where we're not going to generate too much of an argument here, so it's, it's maybe not as fun. But it's kind of alarming, isn't it? You know, you kind of wonder, you know, when, when, when's, uh, when, when is Detroit going to kind of Because Lindstrom's past? already up there, right? Lindstrom's got his five up there. They yeah. might not put yeah. him up there, man. Yeah, Lindstrom's up there. and You know, I kind of thought they were past all that drama and everything because Federoff played in the Winter Classic uh, um the alumni game a couple years ago against Toronto. Yeah, I think they're kind of past the drama now, and they're probably going to, I think in the next year or two, they'll put his his jersey up in the rafters, whether it's next year in the last season at the Joe or as one of their big events when they open the new stadium the following season. It's one of those situations where you're looking at it, and it does kind of seem out of place that he's not up there when you think that he should be up there. I yeah. mean, I don't think that the drama has anything to do with it. I think they just might not respect him enough, man. I think he well, should be up there, but... It doesn't help that he, he resides he, in Russia. It was kind of mutual when he left. I mean, we couldn't afford him anymore. Yeah. He wanted to go pursue our opportunities. He was pretty washed up when he left here. Wasn't he playing defense for Columbus for a while? Uh, He was on the blue line. I mean, in 2002, he got the, the hardest shot in the All-Star game. Um, So, I mean... He played the point a lot in Detroit, too. I don't know if you remember a few of his goals um, in the late 90s there. Scotty Bowman had him back on the point. I mean, the, the guy could wind it up. And yeah. I think, uh, I think they liked how, how he turned up the ice, um, kind of similar to how Larkin does when he kind of winds it up there. I mean, that... Well, I mean, you see the Wings be, do it nowadays when you're talking about Ford's playing the point, especially on the power play. They'll roll a line on the power play that's Mike Green, Datsuk, Zetterberg, Richards and Abdulkader out there, and it's basically Green, Zetterberg, Datsuk, and Richards rotate which two guys are on the point and which uh, guys are playing down low because it gives you that ability for a guy to go from the point to slide down into the slot and then kick it back out to somebody who just rotated up there. Yeah, no, I think I think they kind of like how the, you know you have the the big the big guy Abdulkader right in front of the net there. 
and then you got one point man, so you, you can go either right or left. Um, and it kind of kind of tries to break the box down uh, defensively. But I mean, you know, big, big thing with Fedorov too. I mean, the, the guy's a huge uh, huge advocate for the KHL. Things a GM over there right now, so he spends a lot of his time in Russia. Uh, so, so much time over there. I think uh, I think him just really separating himself from the NHL. Uh, doesn't help his case much for getting his, his number up there either. So that, that's the flip side. I mean, either way, uh, it'd be nice to bring him back and, and have a ceremony and kind of remember what he did do for us. I mean, well, there's, there might be a lot of sour uh, sour thoughts still about him today. Um, he did. He was a very, very, very huge piece to uh, three Stanley Cup championships. Yeah, one point about Chauncey Billups that I kind of wanted to bring up is he's a bum. He's not completely a bum. He went to six straight conference finals, five with the Pistons and one with Denver after we traded him. After when you lose four out of four. six, That's the key. he That's lost the key. four out of six. He's a loser. No one here gives a fuck about Denver. That's the key right there. Like, I don't care a shit if he went to a conference final with Denver. We would trade him. We give AI. Yeah, yeah we got AI who destroyed our team. Yeah, he brought AI here. That team was destroyed when they drafted Darko, all right? We're lucky we got that championship. (laughs) That big seven-foot white Jesus motherfucker. You know, at least, at least, you know, in Fedorov, like, we had Datsun coming up, and he, you know, he began to thrive in his own. So, I mean, if anything, he was just making room for the future stars we had in place. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the benefits of being the Red Wings, and you have such a deep roster, is you can do that, where... You always have guys in the pipeline to replace the guys that are on their way out. Or in the past, also, we trade a lot of those guys. But I think we've uh, talked about that enough. So kind of want to move on here. I know this is one thing that we'd all kind of wanted to touch on a little bit. Uh, is Once again, we're going to talk about Jim Harbaugh. But this time, it's Jim Harbaugh and how he's pissing off the SEC. With his uh, spring practice, the first week going to be on spring break down in Florida there at IMG Academy, where a lot of the top recruits in the country go to play every year. And, of course, SEC is bitching about that, and they don't want it to happen, and they're telling the NCAA, oh, spring break is so sacred and important. We can't have teams having spring practice over spring break. Yet they're completely okay with all these SEC teams that play their bowl games on winter break. Wouldn't winter break, you know, with Christmas and New Year, that's definitely a family time of year, be more important than, oh, they get to go party and get drunk on a beach somewhere? All right. I, th- my, I think both sides need to shut up in this matter, all right? The SEC only is pissed off about spring break because their players are probably out in the club right now getting twisted, or at Mardi Gras, they go to LSU, okay? So that's why they're complaining. They can't get their players there for spring break practice. And Jim Harbaugh should have done this quietly. He had to go tweet about people hating whining or something like that, or is whining attractive. He complains more than any other coach I've seen on the sideline. He might be the king or queen in this case of whining. I mean, it, right now, the, party. the rules might stipulate they can go there, so take them. I don't care. Take them to freaking Russia if you want to practice, if it's going to help. Do whatever's legal within the rules. Both sides just need to shut up, and they need to practice, all right? Because Michigan needs to get better. They stink. They still stink. Okay. You know, the, thing, the thing with Harbaugh, too, is he, he gets under the skin of people a lot. I mean, he, these programs, I mean, he's definitely got people's attention. He's back in college football. He had a pretty – he had a good year at Michigan uh, for a first year. Um, you know, and, man, I mean, that, if they're, I mean, if the SEC is really getting that ticked off, 
I mean, you, you kind of see the troubles though. They, they, man, if they had a spring practice, how many suspensions they'd have to hand out for guys who didn't show up. Um, but I mean, also, I mean, the, the spring practice thing. It comes to the point where when you when you start paying players, you know, what I mean, I mean, these guys, they're they're almost no longer student athletes. You're taking away a spring break, and uh, and I, I don't know. I, I have my opinions about you know how college football does things. Uh, they they kind of fool around in a gray area. It, it opens everything up to criticism. You look at Ohio State, how they did things. Uh, how you know Trussell used to shield shield a lot of stuff he did, and the players would get benefits and things like that. Um, and yeah, I, I definitely think Harbaugh is is toying with that line. You talk about the recruiting stuff. He's going over people's houses and staying over there. And, well, that's just creepy. I don't. There's no it, two it, ways it around is, that. It is, and that, that really kind of kind of got. To <laughs> it's just a weird hard. thing to fucking do. I don't get it. Nobody does. I mean, if it works, it works, though, man. You gotta get the players you in got, the door. You got the kicker. The kicker must have liked what, uh, what Harbaugh brought over for him. Well, I would venture to say, you know, he likes the sausage. <laughs> How many times do I have to tell you guys this? There, it wasn't like Harbaugh's going over there spooning the kid in his bed. Harbaugh's just trying to do the whole, like, man, I want you so much on my team, I'll come sleep at your house to Dude, be there when you, you wake up to talk to your house house to get him on your team. Right? I don't want that player. I, go somewhere else. If you need a daddy, don't be on my team. These people need to be trusted with the keys to the college, pretty much. Kurt Cook is the face of Michigan State when he's there. What's this? What's his nuts? Is gonna be the quarterback at Michigan this year? Some bum, probably. He's gonna be the face of Michigan for O'Korn. six months. O'Corn. He's gonna be the face of Michigan for six months. He needs somebody to sleep with him to come to your university. That's just fucking weird, dude. Yeah. I, I yeah. You don't, you're saying if you need a daddy, but everybody refers to uh, your Jesus uh, D'Antonio there as. A father well, figure on that team. He's it's picking a, those boys up from jail and bringing them to practice. First of all, first of all, the jail with is in with in walking distance of the field. I know per, from personal experience. Okay, you can get there by walking. Nobody to pick anybody up. You sick son of a bitch. Okay. And second of all, I don't mind having a criminal on my team. I like a little edge rush in the passer coming for that ass. All he right. Was a running back. We'll get to Von Miller's ecstasy down ass sack and. Cam Newton later, all right? Take him if you got him. Cam. Okay. <laughs> I'll tell you, Scam Newton's the best quarterback money can buy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. All right. We're going to take a break, everyone. We'll be back in a minute. RSF. Thanks to the magic of podcasts, it will sound like two seconds to you. <laughs> We're now back in that little short intermission there. All right, a couple of cheesecake topics out of the way. Let's get to the hard stuff. Detroit Red Wings, all right? Two games in 24 hours, which is absolutely absurd. One win, one loss. One offensive struggle, one where we couldn't score the puck. If we were uh, trying to bang the prom queen on prom night, huh? You know, uh, guys, you know this is my favorite topic. The Red Wings uh, always extremely critical. Uh, the Boston game. Often too critical. Those, those happened. Uh, the shootouts, you know, I'm glad we ended up on top of that one. I, really, I was just glad to see our offense kind of wake up a bit. You know, it, the the past week, um, we, we were able to get you know past the goalie a lot, and we had played better defense. But uh, the, you know the Islanders game, we didn't look all that bad either. Tony, uh, we were talking in the break there about the, the takeaways and the, the turnovers. We forced a lot of turnovers. We pressed pretty hard for a team that should have been tired. Um, there were just a couple of chances we couldn't bury. Nyquist hit a crossbar. Olette, um, I mean, he hit the, the toe pad. 
of a goalie, you know, on a wide open net. I mean, you know, two more goals right there probably should have been three three at some point. Uh, we might not have, you know, that left fourth goals on an automatic break from us pushing pretty hard. So it might have been a different story um, on that fourth goal there had we tied it up. Um, so I mean, overall, uh, you know, not a bad week. You know, we look we look from when we started out the week at home against the Islanders, a five one win, beat Florida three nothing, beat the Senators three to one. Three huge wins there. Lost the abs in OT. If you're going to go down, you got to go down in overtime and get a point. Well, that was a shootout, so. Or a shootout, which we always seem to fucking lose. And then, uh, you know, beat Boston 6-5, to which is, uh, you know, another big win for us competing for the playoff spot. And, you know, the loss today, which uh, I think I think the, the Isles were due one against us. We beat them twice previous, so. Um yeah, I don't know. Boys, I just I don't think Jimmy Howard's the answer back there anymore. You know, he's in a backup spot now. He's getting paid way too much money to be uh, to be the backup and then coming in and blowing games like this. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I definitely think with him being the backup that his mind is just completely fucked up and he just can't do it. Because the biggest thing with a goalie, I think, is one of those things where you need that confidence. That you can do it, and when you know you're the backup, and in your mind you're like, oh, I was a starter, and now I'm a backup, I think they just completely threw his game off. I mean, there's some guys who they understand that they're a backup, but their whole thing is, I'm a backup, and I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to shine, and maybe I'll become a starter someday, where Howard was a starter, and now he's lost it, and that completely blown his confidence, and he just, I mean, seems to let in so many soft goals. Even though Mrazek let in a couple soft goals against Boston, which for me, looking at that week, I thought it was a great week for the Red Wings in that homestand. I was, I was, I kind of forgave them for the shootout loss to Colorado. Hey, we still got a point there, right? Yeah, we, we, we still got a point, and we're in an odd game too, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 45 shots, and we only registered a couple goals in that one. I was pretty... Uh, yeah, that was one where it's like every time we shot it, we were shooting it right at the goalie, and I'm just like, are you kidding me? We are gonna get, we had so many shots, but so many of them were just right at the goalie that they, you know, they didn't really have that much of a chance. But then you look at Sunday, and I'm like, okay, we're playing Boston. This is a tough game. They're just ahead of us in the standings. We there's a good chance we'll see them in the playoffs. So let's see how they do. And they came out, and they had no defense whatsoever. And as I'm watching that game, there's points where I'm looking at it going, okay, they could have just rolled over and died at this point and said, forget it, we're done, you know, we're just going to make sure we don't get hurt, this game's over. But they kept fighting, they clawed their way back, they tied it up, then they ended up getting up 5-3, to three, and I'm like, all right, they're doing good, they're rolling now, and then that's when they decided to shift it neutral, and they let Boston tie it up again, but then they got another goal, and they held on to get the win. Dude, first of all, Peter was due for a game like that. From what I read in the newspaper, uh, credit Detroit Free Press for this, Peter Mrazek gave up 16 goals in 13 games, I believe, something like that. That's absolutely absurd. It's pretty much one goal a game, right? So we knew he was going to get have every goal he has to have a bad day, happen Sunday. But we battled through it, and the best news, I think, for all Red Wings fans is that Pavel is on the grind again. I don't know if he's 100%, maybe 85%, but he looks like his old self. Oh, and yeah, he's on fire shelf, right now. Woo! He scored again today. He scored yeah. another one today. That's 12 on the year. 
I don't even think this game today counts as a loss, man. You play two games in 24 hours, they should have the Griffins out there, dude. You can't play two hockey games within 24 hours. This game ended when the last one began. There's no possible way you can convince me. Hockey is one of the most physically demanding sports. Unless the Islanders were doing the exact same schedule, if we had played Islanders versus Detroit yesterday, and then we turned around and played it there, then you can give me that matchup. But don't give me a team sitting at home, coming off their couches, playing freaking the Red Wings. That's ridiculous. What, they leave the arena yesterday and fly to New York? Nobody can do that. Well, when yeah. we played Boston, they were coming off a game the night before. Good. You know who else has done Boston for trading that Sagan guy to Dallas or whatever? That kid's a beast, all right? Maybe hits the sauce a little too much, but guy can play hockey. Yeah, you know, you, you look at those games, you look at that kind of setup. I mean, the league, the league kind of drops the ball there a little bit. I mean, I don't understand the whole, the whole time... Uh, the whole time strain and why the you know the games have to be so soon. And another thing about the Islanders game was there was a concert there the night before, so the ice was not very good. A lot of bouncing pucks, a lot of a lot of odd plays out there. I noticed that a lot when I was watching. Um, the league has repeatedly kind of dropped dropped the ball on scheduling games uh, at funny times and having having a lot of issues with that. I mean, shit, this goes all the way back to the the '09 finals when uh, we we just came off a five a five game series win against Chicago. And they're like, okay, well, two days later, you're, you're going to start the finals. No, no, we don't well, open well, that you know, box of fucking words. Schedule, but we're going we're gonna to alter it, even though you guys are missing your, your two top players. In it. Didn't Lidstrom not have a fucking nut inside his ball sack or something like that? Uh, Lidstrom, had, yeah, he got speared in the, uh, in, in the, in the balls. Um, he had to have that sewn back up. We had, we had a Talk lot of... Talk about a warrior, jeez. You rip up my nut sack, I retire the next day. My speech is in while I'm getting them stitched back up. I'm never skating again, all right? Yeah, we were, we were missing Datsuk to start that series. I'm pretty sure he um, had, like, a broken ankle. Yeah, he got a broken ankle. Uh, yeah. Lidstrom, I, then, I think Erickson got his appendix taken out. Uh, Erickson's a scrub. No, yeah, I think Abrocator got his appendix taken out, I think it was. One of them. But, yeah, well, no, the other thing with uh, Datsuk in that series when they were playing Pittsburgh was it was ankle, foot, something like that he'd broken, and... So he's playing with a protective shield on his skate, and still every single time there was a guy near him from Pittsburgh, they're slashing at his foot and his skate like because well, they know that hockey. it hurts. They know what they're doing out there. All right, it's the playoffs. That's hockey. Yeah, that's how you play. Yeah, not, not not to get too far away from the point here, but I think uh, you know I think today could have been a little bit of a better game had they had they given the ice more time, maybe a few more hours of, of, uh, of rest there, maybe the morning skate to kind of tune up a little bit, but. Um, it, is, it is what it is. Um, big big thing I've kind of noticed. I like to. I kind of want to just keep going back to this because we only have a, a couple more weeks to talk about. Is the trade deadline here? Um, of course, I, I mentioned last week we need to make a big trade for a forward. Uh, instead, they bring up Ethanasim from Grand Rapids, and then the, the floodgates kind of open for the scoring. So that kind of made me look retarded. <laughs> but uh, hey, you know, I, I still think they need a guy to come up and play with Larkin. I think Larkin's the future of the team. Um, there's just no one in his age group right now. They're all kind of about four years older than him. That, uh, that That's the talent level that he is, and we have an opportunity to trade for someone like a Druin who, I mean, Mantha, I mean, you know, if you could do a one-for-one swap, he isn't where we thought he'd be. But, I mean, if, if, if teams want a guy like him and we're getting Druin back in return, I mean, that's, I mean, that, there's, a, there's a trade right there. And we, we can also throw someone else in, like someone like Smith, um, who, who's continued to kind of frustrate me um, with with his play? 
because um, I know the uh, Lightning need defense when they just lost Jason Garrison. Um, yeah, I was, I was going to say one thing with uh, the Red Wings is they got a lot of these guys who Joachim Anderson's one of them. Yurko is another one. That there's some of our younger guys who they're kind of playing well and they're well and they're playing good enough to be on the wings, but they're fringe players. Where if we can package a group of them together for somebody, because at the same time, these are guys that are out of options, so we can't just easily send them back down to Grand Rapids. Where if we get rid of them at the trade deadline. It, we get something in return for them instead of we have to place them on waivers and somebody else claims them and then they're, we just lose them. I think the rings have two paths they can take here, all right? We can keep mumbling around the fourth, fifth seed, maybe end up seventh, eighth at the end of the season like we had the last couple of years, get eliminated the first, second round of the playoffs, or they can go big this year, make a trade, make a run at a cup, and sacrifice a couple future talents. Or else we sit on the future talent and then we're just going to keep in the same range until we get a second Dylan Larkin, and then we'll do something again. Like when Zetterberg and Datsuk hit their peak, we won in 08, should have won in 09. There's only two options, because we're not... If we don't make our team better at the trade deadline, we're going to finish about right where we are. We're not the best team in the NHL right now. We're not even close. I think we'd get killed by the Stars or the Hawks going seven. And I don't know, where the Capitals got like a 13-point lead or something like that in the standings? Yeah, they're way ahead of everybody 14 else. 14 points. What are we, if Florida's up there, Florida's going to choke. We'll take care of yeah, Florida. We're, we're only three, three behind three Florida right now. now. Who, uh, who definitely are running away with it, that being the Capitals, Stars, and Blackhawks. And, uh, I mean, it, it's they have they have something that not many other teams have. It's just a lot of top-end talent up and down the lineup, you know? Um and, you know, we could use some help on defense. I mean, if the Red Wings want to stick with the lineup they have, if they're, if they're very hesitant to make a big-time trade, because they are kind of floating in the top, in that 2-3 uh, that spot for the uh, the playoff here, um, you know, maybe get some help on defense. Maybe trade Kyle Quincy. You're going to lose. You might lose him in the offseason anyways. I hope you know, we lose him. I don't like Quincy. You know, get someone back He's from him. You know, is looking, they, they keep bringing up Columbus. Um, Ken Holland was out there scouting a defenseman. If you want to get another guy on contract who's who's a good stay-at-home defenseman, the last few games, uh, Quincy's been blowing some assignments, and it's cost a couple of goals today um, and yesterday on that Louis Erickson goal. So, um, he, you know, he can trade, he can get rid of that salary and replace him with somebody else, shake it up a bit. Um, you know, there's a, there's a few different options you can do, and I don't mind moving a roster player. Obviously, just not, uh, not you know, not some of the big ones. Uh, but I do like that we reunited the dad and Zerber line. I think that's very, very big moving in the future. And then when you think about trade deadline too, getting that top end talent in, you know, they, they say you want you want penalty killers and things like that. Listen, top end talent can kill penalties. All right, when we won Stanley Cups, Steve Eisman was killing penalties. When we uh, when we won the most recent Cups, I remember seeing Zetterberg scoring shorthanded goals. So. The, the top end talent can play on the penalty kill, and sometimes they're the best at it because they're they're just the best players flat out. So my my biggest thing there is if you want more shorthand goals, get some top end talent and put his ass in the fucking penalty kill. He'll, he'll, uh, he'll make some shit happen. He'll go down and, and shoot the puck in the net. Glenn Denny's not going to do that for you. Glenn he Denny might, like once every fifty games. Surprised me. But he's not going to be doing it in the conference finals. I'm sorry, not against the Capitals or something like that. There yeah. is a little part of me that think the Red Wings might think they're getting Stamkos as a free agent in the offseason 
and they're just trying to get rid of Howard, which I think is absolutely impossible. So they have to cut him, and they should have cut him a long time ago to get that money. And I think they think they're going to get Stamkos in the offseason, so they keep the team the same. They lose maybe a couple guys, Quincy in the offseason, right? We're not going to re-sign him if he's a free Richards agent. Richards is gone. Richards is gone. We get pick up Stamkos, and then we roll from there. And I can't complain with that, but that means that they're pretty much put it in the bag this season. They're going to fend, you know, maybe make a run in the playoffs. Mrazic gets hot. But Mrazic... He's arguably, what's the Vienna Trophy? What's the Venza Trophy? Vesna. The Vesna. He's in conversation. He's got to be in conversation, right? Yeah, I think so. I think. 1.93 uh, goals a game last time I checked before yesterday? Right. Yeah. It went up a little bit after yesterday. Oh, let's not count yesterday. All right. That was a little ugly. I think think Holby's got it in the the wins column. I think Crawford's having a good year. And Mrazic, he's got the best save percentage. Wins at goalies overrated. Give me save percentage. now, nah, give me goals against average, because save percentage, if your defense stinks, if you give up 2 out of 50 goals, you can have a great 2 out of 50 shots, you have a great percentage. Yeah, I think until Sunday, uh, Mrazic was in the lead there, depending on what happened to some of the other goalies uh, this past week. Oh, he's above 2 now. Yeah, he's 2.02 for the goals career, against 2. average. one two. that's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, he's... Well, Mrazic has definitely stolen, stolen the job, and I think we need to, you know, try and get a backup that makes... Shit, even if he made half of what Howard makes, that still gives us some, some good cap relief, um, you know, in the summertime there. And then if we get, uh, you know, we lose Quincy, we lose uh, Richards. Uh, I mean, losing Quincy is not the worst thing in the world. We gain Olette, who I think has filled in nicely uh, the last couple of games. Oh, yeah, with Erickson hurt, he's definitely been playing well. It's one of those things where, to me, the Erickson injury was kind of fortunate for the team because you get – a lot up here. He gets some experience playing at the big league level instead of just playing in Grand Rapids. And also, it's better than him being with the wings, but being a healthy scratch every game. He gets out on the ice, gets some experience, and he can use that to develop and move forward. One thing that did disturb me about that game yesterday, I don't know if you guys remember the play. It was uh, right after we went up 5-3, a puck shot up really high in the air right around center ice. And at that time, Boston, four of their players all crushed forward, and only two defensemen went back. Now, I know they couldn't see where the puck was. They didn't know where it was going to come down, and it could have bit Boston. But when you're 5-3, I feel like at least three guys should have gone back. If not, maybe the whole team. And then Boston got a chance of that. Mrazic actually made a good save, and it was before the fourth goal by Boston. But I don't... I just don't get how we have defensive lapses like that, and that will cost us in the playoffs, and I think that's something they need to work on. That's just a little point I wanted to make. Yeah, big part of that are, you know, gone, gone are the days of Mike Babcock where we play a little bit more safer, and it's, you know, you might not give us much, but we're not going to give you anything, which was kind of his style. Um, we were a lot more wide open. We had, you know, guys like Hosa, Datsuk, and Zetterberg in their prime. Um, but, you know, nowadays, and that that's... That's the thing I just want to keep getting back to is Larkin's up, but our, our top end talent's getting old. Uh, Nyquist and Tatar, I mean, they're just they're not having the years that we thought they would. Um, and and people, you know, teams know that teams are not respecting the fact that Nyquist and Tatar can can burn you. Um, and for whatever reason, they're just not getting much puck luck. But I mean, you you look at the team's penalty kills that they play against us, they pressure us hard, and they they skate at us, knowing that you know there's a good chance they're going to turn the puck over. Yeah, I mean, also one thing that I like with the pairing of Datsuk and Zetterberg together versus uh, having Zetterberg with Larkin was I thought Larkin was doing 
really well because he was with Zetterberg, who Zetterberg and Dantzik are both players who make the players around them better. But when you put those two uh, together, Zetterberg and Datsuk, they just have such a great chemistry that it works. And now when you're seeing Larkin with Richards and Tatar, Tatar's doing better as well. So it's kind of one of those things where I'm thinking Larkin's that type of player who is making the people around him better as well. And that can really that help. That's Dylan Larkin. He's the truth, man. All right. He is the best prospect we had maybe since Datsuk and Zetterberg. And I don't think anybody can disagree with that. Hope it's not just a rookie phenom. Hope it's the real deal. But I think we should get moving on this show. And uh, next we're going to look at the NBA versus the NHL All-Star game. Yeah, let's go ahead and take a look here. Uh, What what was the score of that game, the the NBA All-Star game? I know there was 196 total points scored. That's all I know because I stopped watching. Oh, no, no, no. I think one team had 196. Oh, one team had one that? That was the West. The West scored 196 to the East, 173. You know what? They got up. They should stop playing the NBA All-Star game. There's no way to make it competitive. I heard out today on Sports Talk Radio, they're talking about how to make it competitive. I don't think that's possible to make those guys care about a game. And what do you, you can't put anything that means anything on it. Unless you're going to pay the winning team like a million-dollar bonus. Because that's all these athletes care about is cash now anyways. So. Well, you read the stories on a lot of, you know, with the players' opinions and stuff and listen to your interviews. A lot of them are ticked off that there's guys even going to the All-Star game. They're like, oh, this is the All-Star break. This is, you know, what it's for. It's like, hey, dumb dumb, the All-Star break is there because there's an All-Star game. There's no All-Star break if there is no game. You know, and, you know, a lot of them are disappointed. They're getting selected for it. It's like, man, well, then quit playing basketball. Quit being good at what you do. Uh, the, the, the fans won't vote for your ass. The NHL All-Star game was great. Their skills competition is great. But the NBA, their Saturday night this year, was phenomenal. they got to make sure every dunk contest is like that. And as long as Steph and Clay are in the league, the three-point contest will always be competitive. But the actual All-Star game, it's just it's not even basketball. I don't even get what they're doing. It's not even a basketball practice. It doesn't make you better. There's no point. I don't get it. I don't know why I play it. I don't know why players well, don't play defense. As, it's the same as a Pro Bowl. Nobody plays defense. It's just, oh, let's... Basically, on defense, stand around, watch people have awesome slam dunks and shoot wide-open shots, and, oh, yeah, that's cool. But, you know, I mean, I have a problem with pretty much all of the All-Star games until I saw the NHL one this year. I thought the NHL one this year was actually a good game to watch. I think the NBA should actually take a page from the NHL. I just came up with this because we're talking about problems, problems without a solution. We need a solution to this one, all right? You play a three-on-three tournament. How many All-Stars were there? There's 12 per team, so 24, right? So you get yeah. eight teams of three. You pick your eight. You have the uh, fans vote on eight captains. You rank them however you want to rank them. Number one votes gets the first pick or whatever. They get a pick. You do a three-on-three tournament just like you would at the freaking uh, old schoolyard. That way there's no running back on defense, so your defense is already set up, and the winning team gets $10 million, something uh, like that. You know what would be cool, Jerry? Three-on-three. Half court. No, yeah, half court, not full court. So I'm saying half court. So you have one game yeah. going on each end. You can oh, split the screen, kind of cool. and then if one ends early, you go to the other one. You do a half court tournament. Round robin, round robin, double elimination, and then who's ever left, hopefully, it ends up. You got a championship at the end. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, that'd be that'd be. That way, there's bragging rights. I play three on three. You're not going to get hurt, all right, unless you do something dumb, and you can get hurt walking as easily as you can get hurt. Playing three on three, and that's what the, the NHL All Star Game is great now because the three on three 
makes it fun. There was already no defense in the NHL All-Star game, but now you got – even Jagger was out there playing three-on-three. If that wasn't great, I don't know what else is, all right? Yeah. I mean, well, what you do, too, with the NBA is you, you set the, you know, the point limits. So say, you know, in, in, uh, in the backyard there, you play to 11. Winner, winner's got to win 11 by two. by two, man. Same thing. You know, in the league, obviously, they're going to score a little bit more, a little bit quicker being the All-Star game. So you say, I don't know, 25. You go two. 25, but you, have, you go, I say you go 21, but you play by twos and threes because those guys can, the two ball you mean is vastly under, twos? yeah, ones and twos. Yeah. You can't play ones and twos in uh, the pros because they'll just shoot threes because that's twice as valuable. You need to play a 21 by twos and threes or it's a best two out of three series to advance, not even round robin. Something like that. Yeah. That would be fun. Everybody, I'd like to watch that. You'd like to watch that. It's totally uh, different. That would honestly be pretty cool. And you, you put, like, say, five players to a team. Um, so then you get, like, a couple subs, right? And you, you kind of just – the players sub themselves. like Four players no to a team because then you lose six teams of four. Yeah, or so, yeah, six teams of four. No coaches involved. The, uh, the Each team has a captain. And they, uh, they, they go about it like that. Shit, you could even have uh, fucking the night before do what the NHL did a couple years ago. Him pick teams uh, schoolyard style. Yeah. That way you mix the East and the West. You yeah, no, yeah, you, you have the NBA, you have the, because the fan vote votes the starting 10, right? Something like that. Yeah. So you have them vote for six people instead. Those are your six captains. And then through whoever picks the other, whatever now, picks the other 18, picks them. And then the night before, in between the dunk contest and the three-point shootout, you come up there, you pick your players, and then you roll with the next day, show up at noon, high noon, play it out. Or whatever time, they probably do it at 7 because that's prime time. And you know what? If they play somewhere sunny, I say they do it outside. Get a little outdoor arena going, put up a court inside of Miami Dolphins Stadium or something like that. A little oh, yeah. wind action. Shot from <laughs> four to five inches left or right. White man can't jump. Oh, my God. Down south, that would be pretty funny. Yeah. That that would be pretty good. Do it, do it on, do it on the fucking blacktop, man. Because right now the NBA, just play Thunder Lightning too, right? NBA, I don't know how you're gonna fix NFL. I'm willing to admit that because anytime there's contact, players aren't gonna want to do it unless you. They should just change it to like a skills comp. Like you see, have quarterbacks try to hit donuts that are a hundred yards down the field or some crap. I don't know what to do. Oh, the only quarterback who got selected was Russell Wilson that went that this year. So, I mean, what, you have your next five quarterbacks that are too cool to go. And I get it, Rodgers was hurt. Who else got – two of them made the – Payne didn't get selected, but Payne didn't get selected. I don't – then it's yeah, – the NFL should vote their Pro Bowl, and then they should – the players who get voted should get a week in Hawaii paid for by the NFL, and we get to watch some videos on NFL Network. But as far as the All-Star game goes for them, cut it out. It's done. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just as long as they don't do anything stupid like MLB and make an All-Star game – for home field advantage, because I hate that about the MLB game, because it's oh, it's for home field advantage, but at the same time, every player, I mean, every team basically gets an all star, and the goal is to try and have every player play. No, if you want to make it for home field advantage, then here's what you do: you have the best guy, you know, the only the best guys. Not every team has to have an all star, and there's none of this. Oh, we're gonna have like a new pitcher every inning. No, you have to play to win the game. The way you actually play a game, not with this constantly changing up plays, but we're going to make it for something as important as home field advantage in the championship. Yeah, that's a big deal. I like how, I, I like how the MLB does it. But you, that, should, you should be able to field the team 
from your conference that you think is going to win you the championship, uh, or at least get sorry get home field advantage in the championship? Because um, especially in baseball, more than any other sport, with the uh, the way the the batting lineups change for the home team. Obviously, in the National League, the pitcher's got a bat. In the American League, you get your designated hitters. So if I'm the American League team, I definitely want to be at home so I can put my, my DH in where I want to. I think yeah. have. if they want to keep having to go for home field, they need to unify the rules between leagues. Until then, it shouldn't be for home field. But after that, I'm okay with it. And also, this isn't a topic for today, but how the hell isn't there a regulation MLB ballpark size? You just get to pick the ballpark you play in? That'd be like the... Cal home field advantage. Then, then Golden State should be allowed to back up the three point line about three feet and let Steph Curry and make those. And, and the other team isn't going to make threes. So <laughs> that's why home field advantage is so important. And that's why, like Tony was saying, the MLB uh, also can yeah, but take home field should be about the crowd yelling for you as your advantage. Like in college basketball, you got the Izone, you got the Cameron Crazies, you got the Chrysler Cuckoo Nuts, okay? It just that's what makes home field great. Not that your ballpark has a green monster, so you'd be playing better at home. Get a big pop, you up there popping them over. That, that, that right. it just pisses me off, honestly. But at the same time, like home field advantage in basketball versus home field advantage in baseball is different because in basketball, a you're inside, and b the fans are right there next to the court, so the noise level is different. Where a baseball park. You don't have the fans like right next to the pitcher when hey, he's trying I to throw. I've seen that shit on TV, Tony. All right, the fans are right there. You can be flicking off the pitcher while he's pitching. You sit behind home plate, give him the damn finger. He's not going to hey, see you though because so, he's focused on a catcher's mitt. So something that uh, something that Seattle does in their ballpark—it's not so much the size of the field, but they used to cut the grass a certain way and use a certain type of grass for Nichiro was there. Uh, took a tour back. Uh, about five or six months ago at the stadium um, for, for a re-enlistment. And the guy was, you know, telling us how they used to cut the grass. So when Ichiro would hit the ball to a certain part of the field, the, the ball would kind of spin on the grass a little bit and bind him, him a little bit more time so he could run the bases. I mean, that's home field advantage, if you want to talk about home field advantage, especially in baseball where there really isn't That's questionably close to cheating. <laughs> home field advantage. That's the Patriots taking your playbook, baby. That's paying out there in HGH. Maybe, maybe yes, maybe no. That's cheating. All right. I mean, it's it, it's it's home field advantage, though, right? I mean, they're home. They have the grass they want. They I call that home cooking. That, that's it's whatever you want. They're home, and that's that's the importance of home field advantage. In you make a good point, uh, Joe. You make a good point. Well, my so, favorite uh, was when they built Comerica Park. They made the park huge because. They're like, oh, we got all these power hitters. Then when their power hitters couldn't hit that far, they slowly started just adding seats and moving the walls in. <laughs> yeah, I, I like those seats out there, though, so good for them. A little bit closer to see the plate. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's, uh, let's take a break here. We got, uh, we got a big big topic coming up, being the uh, post-Super Bowl Super top. Bowl! Top, top some Cam Newton, we'll top some Kate. Uh, we'll, we'll close out for the day, and that, that'll be all she wrote. So uh, let's take a quick break, boys. And here we go. Super Bowl, Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Uh, what what a fucking game. You know, a lot of people thought this one was boring, but I was uh I was pretty uh I was pretty into it. You know, the, the defense was, was pretty good. Um God, I, I thought it was a pretty good game. You know, a lot of people said they were a little bit bored, they they would like to see a few more points here and there, but uh no, I, I was pretty satisfied, especially because I picked the Broncos to win and I wanted the Broncos to win. Um 
think the world got to finally see what a punk bitch Cam Newton really is. So yeah, even though let's, I just kind of run over the picks we had real quick. So I mean, Frank, you know, he was all about Carolina and Cam Newton. He went thirty-five seventeen. I went 30-20, uh, Carolina's favor, because I just really didn't think Denver would be able to stop Cam Newton like they did. And you went Denver 31-24. All right, so Joe had the correct winner. Uh, I didn't get to pick last week because I was sleeping downstairs while I was being recorded. So, uh, But my money was on Denver, and just like Vegas, I made out like a villain, and it's all good, you know? <laughs> And I, I can see both sides with saying it's a crappy Super Bowl and a good Super Bowl. I love the defensive nature of it, but honestly, with Peyton Manning's horrible skill level, it was painful watching the Broncos' offense. The Panthers' defense really didn't take anything away because there was nothing to take away. You know, like Peyton, just, he can't throw the ball more than 20 yards right now. You know, he needs a hip replacement. So in that aspect, it was horrible. But watching Von Miller and all the ecstasy he's taken just <laughs> clobber Cam Newton was one of the most satisfying things I've ever seen. Yeah, and I I think the league, you know, well, not the league, a lot of the fans, I mean, you know, Cam Newton really did it to himself. And, um, you know, he, a guy a guy makes himself a villain, really. You know, all the, all the stupid dances and, the, you know, the, the things he came up with all the, you know, this year. and uh, His commercial where he says they don't make band-aids or feelings and he wants to whine like a little bitch after the game. Yeah, you know, and... Uh, you know, after the game, so here, here's the thing. I'm, I'm going to say this. I will side with the fact that he was not happy with reporters um, at, directly after the game and then the day after when he actually, you know, said a few things. Um, reporters can get under athletes' skin, and they can be uh, extremely annoying. And for a guy, especially a quarterback who just lost the Super Bowl, who was supposed to be uh, blowing it up and he didn't, I, I can see how that would be very tempting to say things that aren't very popular. Okay, I will. I will give him that. That's like the one freebie. But you definitely know a guy by his actions on the field. Everything he said after the game was all exactly how he played and exactly his reactions to uh, the things he, he came short on. And what I really want to talk about is the fumble, the fumble that he didn't die oh, for. And the the fact second that fumble he said that, that that play wouldn't have mattered. Bull fucking shit. Oh, yeah, he totally... Here's the thing. He didn't want to dive, and he's saying he doesn't want to get hurt. That's... Uh, You're at a point where... He, he made a business decision. That's what he did. He made a, Instead of being a football player in that moment, he made a business decision. The same decision you would make if a car's coming at you when you're on your way to work, you jump out of the way. He, it was a freight train coming for him, and he jumped out of the way. You know? Okay, but this is the no, Super Bowl. I, I think he's a coward. I mean, he's a coward for doing it, but that's what he did. He made a business decision. Tomorrow he'll be dabbing, and he'll play next year, and he'll be back. That's what his post-game message should have been. He should have dove for that fumble. At least, you know, like, I mean, even it's by his feet, even if he doesn't want to, like, bend over or fall on it. At least try and, like, kick it away from the other team. That was a culmination of 55 minutes of beating given by the Broncos. They hit him after the whistle. They hit him before the whistle. They hit him fucking every time they got a shot. And I love what Aqib Tlaib did towards that Philly Brown when he was taking him out of bounds and he ripped him down by the face mask on purpose. And, you know, that's dirty. In the regular season, uncalled for. But in that game, the Denver's only way of winning was exactly how they played. And that was hard-nosed, and all they did was rushed for most of the game, doubled Greg Olson, and their corners held up against those crappy receivers, and they just hit Cam Newton. 
Do you remember Von Miller's hit when he got him inbounds and he stuck him down suplex style? Yeah. That is how you play football. That is the formula to beating quarterbacks like that. That's how you beat Russell Wilson. That's how when State had their good years when they went to the Rose Bowl. That's how they stopped the read option team. That's how Bama stops the read option. You have to hit the quarterback every play. And you know that's they they played the classic how you stop a mobile, a mobile quarterback. You contain him in the pocket and make him throw because mobile quarterbacks are not used to sitting back there and throwing the ball. And two, they run most likely because they can't fucking throw. And you saw how Cam Newton's arm was. I told you this last week. If the Broncos want to win this game, they got to make him throw the ball. He threw yeah. it over people. He threw it low. He threw it to the left, to the right. And a lot of those catches were very tough to make, even without pressure from safeties or corners. And it's hard enough with Denver's uh, you know, secondary, as good as they were, to, uh, to make catches and everything like that. And then when you got Cam Newton throwing the shitty balls that he did, way over their heads out of bounds. Uh, he had a guy wide open going across the middle. And uh, I think he threw that pass about 20 yards over him. Uh, I mean, what, what a great way to play him because half the, half the poor plays that they forced uh, Carolina to make were incomplete passes. They, and that's, that's what played in Denver's favor big time. Denver took away everything. But Denver throughout the season, the only time they got blown out by the Kansas City Chiefs when Payne threw four picks. So don't yeah. blame the defense for that. The only time their defense looked truly horrible, in my opinion, was when they played the Pittsburgh Steelers in, what, week 14 or 15, something like that? We were playing in the uh, fantasy football, me and Tony. Was that week 15? Week 15. Yeah. But that the Pittsburgh Steelers had the best three receivers of any team probably in the last 10 years. So that's explainable that you can't cover them one-on-one. Panthers receivers couldn't get open. Von Miller and DeMarcus Ware did, and I'm really happy for DeMarcus Ware. Yeah, I mean... Well, when you can rush for and get pressure on a quarterback, your defense is automatically going to have a good it's game. Over. That's that's it makes everybody because better. Then you got seven guys in coverage. That's what the Lions had last year. Yeah. But then Sue and uh, Fairley took their talents to South Beach. Well, well Fairley's uh, Fairley's not in South Beach, I know. But yeah. Let's uh, look at the stats real mean, quick on Cam Newton, the old old super baby, as I like to call him now instead of Superman. Eighteen for forty-one, god awful. No touchdowns, one pick, uh, two fumbles. Both that essentially went for TDs, right? And then six yeah, rushes for 45 yards. Yeah, one was So, in th- I, I mean, if the offense had never really scored, because what was it, it ended up being 24 to 10, right? They hit yeah, a bunch of field goals. Cam Newton pretty much beat himself in this Super Bowl. He outscored himself 14 to 10 for Denver. Yeah. Trying to do too much. Yeah, that, that, that's a result of the defense. Keeping them, on, keeping them in check, locking them in, keeping them in the pocket. And then, oh, by the way, uh, one of the best linebacks in the league was, uh, was tasked to spy him um, at, at any moment. So even if he, wanted to, if he, even if he did want to get out of the pocket, uh, he probably wasn't going to go too far because Von Miller was just kind of just, you know, lingering, waiting for him. Um, man, that, that, was, that was a great man, way to Man, imagine the contract that Von Miller is yeah. going to get, though. Actually, though, when you talk about it, Cam Newton actually outscored himself 15-10 to 10 because they had a two-point conversion on – you know who caught that two-point conversion, by the way? Old Benny Fowler himself, Michigan State product. Just like to throw that out there on the winning <laughs> side of the Super Bowl and like old Devin's fun bags himself. Devin hey, Funches. Isn't Vernon Davis on the Broncos, too? Uh, you know, he's, he, he didn't really play, but yeah, he's on the team. He gets to wear a jersey. He gets to wear a jersey. Good midseason trade for him there. Yeah, but, yeah, I mean, one thing was, with Carolina's game plan, they didn't roll the pocket any. They didn't... They kind of abandoned the read option. 
option a lot of times. There'd be t- times when they go three and out and not even run the read option once. But there were times when they when they rolled the pocket or when they ran the read option that they had success. And then it's like, yeah. but you do it only here and there. And it, but it's what you're having success with. I mean, yeah, if you run it a lot more, they might stop it. But at the same time, when that's what you're having success with, and then when it comes down to your final drive of the game, and you don't even do those things at all, and you're try, and you're only down by uh, six points, and you got a chance to go down and get a touchdown, kick an extra point to take the lead, and then of course uh, he fumbled, but they still had a chance after that, and they weren't doing it. They were just trying to get he. Have him drop straight back in the pocket, heave it downfield. He's, I think he's a, about a career completion percentage of around 60%, which is what we talked about. He's not the most accurate quarterback there is, but the threat of his feet oftentimes causes the linebacker to stay in the spy or something, which gives him a lot more man coverage, where if you've got a guy who beats the man coverage, he's going to get the big yardage. They're and you can say all you want uh, about Cam Newton and you know how he'll be back and this and that. But oh, uh, he'll be back. You can guarantee that. That's he, that's uh, a good football player. Can you? Can you guarantee that? I can guarantee he'll be back in the playoffs. He'll be back <laughs> in the playoffs, but I mean, yeah, I mean the way the way things move and, and the way contracts work. I mean, they were talking it's about not going to uh, be the same Carolina team next year. And well, they, uh, you know they 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 had a great defense. The Steelers short their secondary. It's the normal to run these stupid blitzes like that zone blitzing scheme. That team has an offense built to win a Super Bowl if they can get an old school Steelers defense. I think the Steelers and Patriots have the best shot next year. Yeah, the Steelers are starting to look pretty good again. Those wide receivers they have, um, if Ben's healthy, and they, they have they lost their two starting running backs. So they have their two starting running backs, and uh, you know, and then in a good defense uh, coming back again next year, I think. Uh, they stand a pretty good the Patriots chance. Patriots are going to be dangerous once they get Deion Lewis. Signings. The uh, one thing, though, is Tom Brady is only one year younger than Peyton Manning, and I know he looks far better, but people, I feel like, have forgotten or just don't like talking about the fact that Peyton threw for 55 touchdowns two years ago. That's how fast you yeah. fall off. And if you listen to any NFL player, they say when it goes, it goes. So at some point, it's just going to go for Tom Brady. People expect the slow decline because we saw a slow decline with some players, but the quarterback position, it just goes. Brett Favre, one year, 14-2, and two, the next year, shell of himself. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Peyton Manning, 55 touchdowns last year. He had like 40 probably, something yeah. around there. Then this year, absolute garbage. At some point, Brady's going to go from all-star to all-scrub. And it's just, we don't know when that's going to happen. I don't think it's going to be next year because he takes care of himself. But I'm just saying, at some point, yeah. be ready for that with the Patriots. Yeah, and you got you to look at some of the teams that were... Um, they look pretty good going into the postseason. Um, Green Bay, you know, if Green Bay can get some talent at wide receiver. They well, they get, get Jordy back. Nelson back. But, you know, they'll have Jordy Nelson back. Uh, I still think. If Eddie Lacy really can lose about 30 pounds. Right. <laughs> Eddie Lacy doesn't look like a cheeseburger, Eddie. Cheeseburger well, hey, was in shape. <laughs> well, Green, Green Bay said, uh, I, I read about that too, that they want him to lose 30 pounds by the time he shows up for camp, so. I think if he doesn't, they cut him, man. I think you cut him and freaking sign him at Forte, something like that. Well, like, I, I remember seeing him, I think it was yep. preseason, he walked out there and he's so fat, I'm like, did he eat his backup? Is that why he's the starter right now? Yeah, I mean, that, gosh, I mean, you had to think about some of the, some of the, uh, the runs he had. He kind of would go through the hole and it's like, man, uh, if, he, if he was about 15 pounds lighter, he, he might have... Maybe he could find a hole. There ain't a hole big enough for him on the field, you know what I mean? Yeah, God almighty. 
He looked like a fullback out He there. did look good against Arizona, but then Arizona kind of turned out to be a little... I'm a fraudulent is probably not the best word, but they kind of uh, got all those old players. I think they blew a little steam too early in the season. You know, week seven they looked like gangbusters, and by week 17 they looked completely beatable. So you got to keep yeah. it, you gotta remember it's a long season, just like yeah. NHL and NBA. You got you to see what they do in the draft. I mean, Arizona's one of those teams too that can be on the cusp of uh, Arizona of making, making some noise. I mean, to, uh, needs to get a backup for Carson. I mean, I love my man Stanton, but. He's got to go. You needed somebody who in two years can take over. You need, like, a little project. Yeah. I, I, there aren't any good quarterbacks in this year's draft. I'm sure we'll have a draft edition of this show. But oh, yeah. I love Connor Cook as much as anybody else, but he needs about three more years of practice before he should start in the NFL, and he's going to be asked to start maybe next year. He's going to get crushed. He's it, nowhere... it depends on what team drafts him. I mean, when you're looking at teams, like, the Browns need a quarterback, clearly. But other than that, there's no teams that really, I think, have a glaring need for a quarterback. Uh, I think there's a crap load. you got the Eagles, they need a quarterback. The Rams need a quarterback. I think Dallas needs a quarterback. Dallas needs a backup. I think they need, I think they need that Tom Brady. Houston to needs a quarterback. Okay, Houston and the Browns. But Houston's probably going to take... Uh, the Bengals need a quarterback. Any dumb. No, I'm just joking. Any dumb. Uh, Christian Vandenberg... No, not that. Oh, who, who am I thinking of? The guy at Penn State. Hackenberg. Christian Hackenberg. Oh, that's Hackenberg. it. Yeah, because Bill O'Brien's the one who recruited him there. He's the coach for the Texans. I that actually see, might be a, you know, Tony, I can see them drafting that, that is a good early poll because prediction. He, I like that. he played well under Bill O'Brien at Penn State. He's Will not played well under James round? Franklin. I mean, I would draft him in the first round. I don't think he'll go in the first round. I think, I think the Texans can wait and make him. I think that he's arguably the third or fourth best quarterback, and there's only four quarterbacks drafted in the first round. E.J. Yeah, Manuel no went, like, ninth overall. E.J. Manuel. True. Round, yeah. I thought E.J. Manuel was a huge overall. Johnny Manziel went to Tebow in the first round. Tim Tebow in the first round. Okay, Tim Tebow, who can't throw. Hackenberg who can draft in the first I don't think he's a first-round pro- person, but he's going to go that early. Well, don't forget, you got the, the golf... Uh, golf golf is all flat. And you got that's that, smoke uh, mirrors, man. Oh, yeah, golf today, I like, had a quote saying he's the most accurate quarterback. I'm like, uh, what about those six picks you threw in that one game? Another thing, uh, what's his... Cook was hurt at the end of the season, all right? Cook could have some pro potential. I mean, Cook did play in a pro-style offense, which helps him. But he might be Kirk Cousins 2.0, can't win the big game. Kirk Cousins yeah. didn't beat a winning team. Well, how about, how about that guy from uh, Memphis? Paxton Lynch? I personally need to see, like, I, I mean, Big Ben's good, but I don't yeah. like t- t- players that don't come from Power 5 conferences at quarterback. I think the competition's too weak to evaluate. You yeah, could, I mean, he's a, he's a big dude, and he did, he, did, uh, he did play very well against Ole Miss to beat them. And Ole, Ole Miss is at, has been Yeah, but Ole Miss ended up getting beat by everybody in the second half of the season. Yeah, and they basically beat Alabama, and then they went, oh, we beat Alabama, we're awesome. And then do they, do they, they even have a football program anymore after all those sanctions? 13 violations, huh? They're still under investigation, but I, I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of stuff coming down the pipe for them. Back but, so, yeah, well, one other thing we wanted to touch on, guys, is, uh, is, is Manning here. Um, oh, Peyton the Sheriff to Peyton the Rapist, huh? Yeah. And so, well, third know, degree sexual assault. Is. Show, <laughs> well, I know, I know talking before the show is, uh, is a lot of this stuff, you know, it always seems to be like after a championship season, too. You go back to Patrick Kane, they won the cup, and then, uh, you know, he had a, you know, a sexual assault charge on him. Um, and then you look at uh, Peyton Manning, and they're digging up old dirt back from when he was at Tennessee. Um, 
it just it just makes you wonder though, with with the results from the Patrick Kane case and what could happen with the Manning case is our athletes now becoming the well, victims. Nothing's going to actually happen with the Manning case. The the report they're exactly. talking. Yeah, no, that's what they're talking about is in two thousand. Whenever all this crap happened, they signed a non-disclosure agreement. It was like, yeah, it was back in like 96. 96, they signed non-disclosure. Then Archie Manning and Peyton came out with a book, and like, because they talked about her, somehow avoided the non-disclosure or some crap well, like that. Well, they talked a bunch of crap about her in the book, saying that she was basically, um, I forget, I read, I saw it in an article earlier today, but basically okay, they so, talked a bunch of crap about her in this okay. book, and so then she sued for defamation, and then they settled out of court. So she sues in 2003, and this 74-page document they're talking about is what her people sent to the court. It's in no way actual fact, truth, or like it's never been proven to be true. This is her story as she presented to the court. I'm sure Peyton Manning has one that's 74 pages long that makes him look like an innocent person. Like his, well, his, she's saying you know so that he put his genitals on her face. He like teabagged she, her. He teabagged her, which isn't that bad, people. It's not that bad. He should have just owned up to it then. The cover-up is what's bad. Well, and his story is that it accidentally happened because she was looking at his foot and he decided he was going to moon a teammate who was walking by and he bent over and that's how it happened. Okay. okay. But still, it's I might not have made it to med school yet. I might never will. But I know that when you're examining somebody's foot, generally they're sitting at a table. So for the nut, so to be doing one standing up is weird in the first place. Unless so, it's... Regardless of what happened with Manning, though... Um, Manning you know, the rapist. I was, I was just, I was just kind of <laughs> reading into the, uh, you know, there's a Baylor situation. Um, there was some sexual assault uh, charges going going there at Baylor. Um, so, you know, college football is viewed almost on a level of pro sports these days because uh, of its popularity. Um, the biggest thing I want to talk about, though, is at what point, you know, are we, are, are we getting to to where I, you know, in my mind these days, I'm, I'm seriously looking at some sexual assault charges and thinking, oh, they just want the athlete's money. They're not really trying to, uh, you know, put this dude in jail. They want to settle, you know, in court, and they want to get a, a big pay cut, which is, you know, the deal with the Patrick Kane case. And it's like I mean, that happened several years ago at Duke because they, yes, they had a party and they hired a stripper. But the stripper realized, I guess, that, you know, these are rich kids, and she figured, I'll sue them saying they raped me. They'll pay me to be quiet. And then when they said, no, this didn't happen, we're going to fight it, and then her story unraveled, and now she's in jail because I think she ended up, like, assaulting her boyfriend or something. The, the real problem with a story like this is, and even the people getting paid out, is there are going to be real sexual assaults that happen that because of the Patrick Kane, because of Duke Lacrosse, because of Jameis Winston in some way. I'm pretty I, sure Jameis Winston is not innocent. But here's the thing. He's not holding They innocent, waited he, to invest. The, basically, the police script the investigation, so we'll never know what really happened. I honestly don't think Jameis did it because she tweeted afterwards, go Jameis, and you wouldn't tweet, go Jameis, to your rapist. But that's a personal opinion. We'll never know the facts of that case. But the problem is, real sexual assaults will not be prosecuted, and people will start to view it as just money grabbers, like Joey's saying, because of things like this. Because of somebody trying to get money off Patrick. Yeah, and it, it really... It really kills the credibility behind any any type of case because I think people are going to take a different viewpoint at, at everything at, at you know how all these go now. And like Jerry said, um, it, it's kind of alarming because you know these these girls that are doing this, they're kind of like screwing up the path for for other girls that might actually get sexually assaulted who had no intention, you know, of, of being treated this way. 
and people are just going to think, oh, well, you know, here, here's another one. And, and, you know, initial thoughts um, on, on something like this, you know, per- perception of what, you know, happened. Uh, can can really alter the you know the mindset on, on the case and things like that. So. It has gone from the first thought being in my mind. The first thought generally when you hear about somebody raping somebody is like, oh shit, did they do him? Is the girl okay? Is did the guy really do this? To being like, is she just going for the money? And yeah. that's a problem. I don't think you should get paid for getting raped. I think like that doesn't make any sense to me. If what you person if they raped you, if you don't get fucking, if you don't stick a criminal charge on them to the point where they don't get convicted, you shouldn't get any money. You shouldn't get to settle out of court and have them not go to jail for it, for money. Kobe yeah. paid out, like, what, $3 million, $8 million to that girl that he yeah. actually didn't rape just so she would shut up about it and sign that non-disclosure probably. And it's like this girl didn't get raped and she had $8 million and she's making it harder for women who did get raped. No, exactly. It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, they, they need to protect the defendants too. No matter who they, you're in our country, you're innocent until proven guilty. The defendant doesn't need his name released. He shouldn't have his name out there in the public. We should have no idea that Patrick Kane was even charged with a rape or was being investigated for rape until they have a charge. Until you have somebody going past a grand jury, if they have that in their yeah. state, or if you have to be going to trial or going to a plea bargain before I should know that you might have raped somebody. Well, the problem well, is you have people who they're in the public eye, so if they're going to miss any time with their team, people are going to want to know why. And, But at the same time, you have people who basically are nameless, faceless people when they start out, and they know that unless it goes to trial, for the most part, unless the lawyer is a scumbag and is going to, for the defense, is going to throw their name out there, they're basically... They know that they're still just a nameless, famous person, and this other person's famous, and their name's going to get dragged through the mud, but their name won't even come up unless it goes to trial, which, yeah, when it goes to trial, a lot of times their name also gets dragged through the mud. And I definitely think there are a lot of athletes who are entitled and think they can get away with it and do commit sexual assault and rape. Yeah, but then at the same time, like we talked about, Darren Sharper, for example, was a real rapist. Yeah, he, Bill Cosby, a real rapist. Maybe we it's not even been proven, but you know allegedly, what? allegedly <laughs> killed all them cops. But Jesus, I don't. But at this, it's one of those things where there's times when there are those false accusations, and it makes people second guess it. Where when they see those false accusations, they go. And then the next person gets accused, you're like, well, the last three people were wrongly accused, so did this really happen? And it's a sad situation where we're forced to second-guess all these people who are claiming rapes because the other, of the fact that there's a few bad apples in the group. Another problem is in any, like, Columbus, Ohio, East Lansing, Ann Arbor, Tuscaloosa, you go to the police and say, this guy raped me and he's on the fucking team— they're automatically going to try to, they're going to go to the coach, see if they're actually a bad person, see if they would do it. And that's going to slant their investigation. You know what I mean? And that shouldn't be happening because people should never, you shouldn't come forward with a fake stealing story, let alone rape is one of the, next to murder is the worst thing you can do in the entire world is rape somebody. It's not something to ever lie about. Like when you go forward and say, I got raped, you should actually feel like you were raped. There should never should be one girl to report a fake rape in her lifetime. And there have been, and there's, I'm not sure there's been, there's probably been a man or two out there, but it's fucked up. It's a horrible issue, and it's not addressed enough, and it's going to keep happening as long as people try to keep getting money out of the athletes, just like you said, Joe. And, and, the, and the, the worst part about it is it's dominating sports talk. 
it's dominating sports news. Um, it's taking away from the game. It, you know, we're, we're getting away from talking about actual sports. And I mean, I, I get we're doing it right now, but I mean, I mean, God, that, that's just like the flavor of the week anymore. Is just you know, what team uh, for what sport has sexual assault charges and what player? Half you know? of it is because there's no nothing going on in sports right now. This is the dead time in sports. The NHL isn't that interesting yet. NBA is you know out there playing grab ass in Toronto, like. So we then come with something, so all of a sudden Sean King breaks his story. He's probably been sitting on for a while. He's been shown to have an agenda a, a crusading against these people that he doesn't like. And it's just how it turns out, you know? And the, yeah. the problem with it is people are reading this like it's absolute fact that Peyton Manning's this horrible person now. That's what it's turned into. And I don't think Peyton gives a flying fuck. He has two Super Bowls. He's riding off into the sunset. He has more endorsement money than he'll ever need. Oh, he doesn't get to do another Papa John's commercial? It's not like he ever needs to make another dollar the rest of his life. He still owns Papa, five Papa John's or something like that, so... Ain't gonna be alright. It just... Alright. Well, uh, let's, let's move on to the closing thoughts here, boys. Uh, I just wanna, I just wanna throw out a couple quick questions to you guys, and we'll, uh, we'll move into the closing piece here with, uh, with Tony, who likes to... Uh, broadcast for us, so you can you can download the uh, show here. So, uh, just just a couple of questions here. Uh, Calvin Johnson, is he going to retire? I think he's gone. I think he's going to retire too. I think. I mean, I've heard so many different stories about the whole. Oh, he's not going to retire. He just wants to play somewhere else. He's going to force the Lions to cut him because he got the same agent Brett Favre. I've heard the Lions know he's going to retire. They've just asked him not to do it. So that way they can try and sell that he's coming back to get people to buy season tickets. But I, yeah, I definitely think he's retiring. I think yeah. he just doesn't want to make it official yet, but he's 90% retired. But if somebody comes to him with some big uh, win one for the Gipper or like Rudy speech or something, he might come back. But if you're even debating retiring, I think you should from a game as violent as NFL. Oh, yeah. I think he has more if you're not to 100% give. I personally would like to see him out there on a winner for once or with a good quarterback, an accurate quarterback. Stafford's decent. But like a you know a Tom Brady, I like to see him with. In football, if you're not 100 percent in it, you're gonna get hurt. Yeah, and I don't. He's been banged up, and he has his health right now. I think he should retire, but I also think he's a lot left to give the game. But yeah, I think he's done. And then uh, final final thought here: college basketball. Uh, we're nearing the end of February. We're, we're kind of in the back half now. Uh, we're in the month. back quarter, pretty much. We pretty much. I think State has five games left, so everybody has about five games in a tournament. Yeah, yeah you, you we, got, got, we got March Madness. Conference tournaments start beginning so. of March, and then middle of March is going to be March Madness. So, we'll, we'll definitely have some things to talk about uh, coming up in March. And you know, like Jerry said, uh, we are kind of looking a little bit of a black hole. February just kind of like it's you know it's not really getting interesting in the NHL yet. The trade deadline we still got a, a couple weeks. Yeah, we got two and, weeks uh, till that. Well, if we ever can't talk sports, we'll just talk about how shitty all the presidential can- candidates are, right? Oh Dear God. God, that fucking can, nerd can we get up there. a Worst list of, oh my god, I have to pick one of these people? Uh, fuck me. Can we just have four years off? Can we just have four years without a president see how that goes? <laughs> that works out for us. And that, that, Cruz, that Cruz doesn't look too bad. Uh, that Cruz, he's not American, dude. He can't run for president. He was born in Canada, I think. Yeah. Isn't that true? Isn't it? I think he was born he's in not Canada. Like he's, how is he even on a Democrat or Republican? They were bitching about Obama's birth certificate, and this guy was born in Canada? That's the dumbest shit I've ever seen. Oh, my gosh. All right, let's keep it sports. Hey, and one last thing, NBA, the, the whole hack, uh, 
hack a shack technique. Uh, I think it's incredibly boring. I think it's retarded. I think it's a it's a waste of talent on the floor, and it, you know had that strategy day in and day out against the team. Uh, your all's thoughts? I just think you should learn to make your free throws. I think from day one you should yeah. shoot free throws. Yeah, yeah, make I mean, free that, throws. That I mean, that you, solves you that strategy. you see any big European player missing free throws? Because I can't, I mean, I personally can't name one. There probably is a couple, but Dirk Nowitzki, great free throw, Sherry. Because Saul Dirk, <laughs> Dirk probably could bang home 15 free throws in a row right now. But just got to make your free throws. I think Dark that's the like I don't like the, I, I'm with you, Joe. I don't like the strategy, but the only way to stop it is just make your free throws, and that's simple. All right. And, like, at this point, players obviously are too late in their careers to practice them. Obviously, Drummond's never going to get it. DeAndre Jordan won't get it. But growing up, practice your free throws. Kids, if you're, any kids are listening, practice your free throws, all right? They're called free for a reason. I would hope there are they're only free because they're they're only an explicit free. podcast. They're only free if you make them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I hope to God no kids are listening to this, this podcast. I hope every kid in America listens. And I hope every adult in America listens because this is RSF and we're here to stay USA all the way. <laughs> all right. Uh, that, that's all I got, boys. Uh, Tony, why don't you close us out? And All right. we will see you next week. Closing so, time. Yeah, let's not commit copyright infringement right now. But, uh, so... Y'all <laughs> But, so, anyway, this... I love this episode. I'm pretty sure this is one of the episodes that this is why we made it explicit. Is so that way we could say whatever we wanted to and not have to censor Jesus. ourselves. <laughs> Thank you, Jerry. But, uh, so, once again... Uh, the show is on iTunes and Stitcher now. You can search us there. You can find us. Subscribe. So that we always be updated when the latest episode comes out. Leave us reviews there. Let us know how you feel about the show. We're on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Revolutionary Sports Front. The website's Revolutionary Sports Front.com. Twitter is Twitter.com. And at, uh, RSS Podcast. Hashtag RIP to the competition. <laughs> uh, you can... If you don't want to leave us a review because you have negative things to say and you'd rather talk to us directly, you can email us at revolutionarysportsfront at gmail.com. We'd love to hear how people are doing. And if you like the show, share it with your friends so we can get some more listeners. If you don't like the show, share it with your friends because maybe they're smarter than you and will understand how great the show is. Because haters going to hate. But thank you for joining the Sports Revolution.